Hello, good morning. I hope you're doing well. It's great to join together, even if it's not all in the same building, uh, to be able to be joining together as Robertson Anglican as we, as we do church together. This week, we're starting our Jesus Is series, and we're thinking about uh, what, uh, whether Jesus is anti-religion. I'm going to pray. Uh, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thanks for your goodness to us. Thanks that we can join together, even if it is in self-isolation. Uh, thanks that we can open your word, be challenged by it uh, and encouraged by it. We pray that as we look at Luke uh, chapter 18 today, we would be challenged uh, and encouraged and rebuked uh, and grow in our knowledge, our love and our service of you. Amen. The boss yelling at you for someone else's mistake. Even when you're not out in handball, but you take it anyway. That conversation where you just can't get a word in to share your wisdom. Congratulating someone even though they stole your idea. Pride and humility smack us in the face every day, even in mundane to life-changing decisions. They challenge our hearts, our view of ourselves, and our view of those around us. Jesus tells this story that we're going to look at today about how pride and humility affect our relationship with God and those around us. Our Pharisee is full of pride about how amazing he is at religion. Clearly, Jesus has a problem with that. What I want you guys to do now is have a chat amongst yourselves. What is religion? I'm sure there were some good discussions and definitions that you guys uh, came up with. Religion, I think, as Jesus lays out here, is an attempt by humans to make themselves right with God. To make themselves right before a deity, whether it's God, Yahweh from the Bible, or another God that they've made up themselves. Rules and ticking boxes go hand in hand with religion. The lie that we tell ourselves is that we can make ourselves right with God. Our Pharisee, that we see in verses 11 and 12, as Jesus describes, comes to God with his prideful religion. He stood up and he prayed about himself. I wonder if this guy was right here in Australia, how would you treat him? Tall poppy syndrome to the max, I think. Now, if your kids don't know what that is, you have the freedom now to pause your video and have a chat and explain what that is. This guy, this Pharisee, thinks he's the bee's knees. Look at what he says. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. He's ticked all the boxes. He's done all the right things. And thank goodness he's not a robber or an evildoer or an adulterer, and especially not the tax collector that's just about to do his thing. He compares. And in his eyes, he's made himself right with God. If our pride affects how we view others, it will affect how we view God and how we do our relationship with him. 
If we have pride when we interact with God, it will affect how we interact with others. If you've still got any hesitation from looking at this man to say that Jesus is anti-religion, maybe you can open back up Matthew 23, pause the video and read that through again, that Bible reading that we had earlier. I think that's all we need to see that Jesus really is anti-religion. This guy is kind of like Saul, pre-Paul Saul. If anyone can have confidence in the flesh, I have more. And what's the result? What do we see? Well, we see it's not him that is justified. And we also see that he will be humbled because he's exalted himself. I want you guys to have a chat amongst yourselves, another discussion question. What's the problem with this man's attitude and expectation? Well, what about this tax collector? Thank goodness that he shows up. And that might be the only time that we've ever said that or will ever say that. Thank goodness that there is a tax collector. Well, how does he act? He, he walks into the temple, or does he? No, it says in verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. There's no list. There's no showing how he's better than everyone else. There's no showing that he's fasted or given all that he has or a tenth of what he has. He's not listing all the things he's done. He assumes nothing about his status or about his ability. And he has a right view of himself and of God. He asks God for mercy because he knows who God is. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Humility must affect how we interact with those around us because it affects how we relate to God. And our humility is the only way we can come before God because of his amazing perfection and holiness. What's the result for this man, for the tax collector? Well, Jesus says in verse 14 that he, rather than the Pharisee, goes home justified before God. And we see that this man, who's humbled himself, will be exalted. This is kind of like Paul, post-Saul Paul, who says, I am the worst of sinners. I want you guys now another chance to discuss amongst yourselves. Read verse 14 and then have a think and ask, is religion what Jesus is after? Well, who is justified? Well, we see in verse 14 that this man, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, goes home justified before God. But what does justified mean? Justified means being right before God. 
or in this case, being made right by God. So what does the tax collector do? How is he justified? Well, the thing is, he gets it. He gets who he is and who God is, and he has a right view of himself and a right view of God. He is humble before God. And he asks God to do what only God can do, what he can't earn, what he can't do. And that's that he needs mercy because he recognizes that he is a sinner. He doesn't trust in his own awesomeness or all the things that he's done or the boxes that he's ticked. He comes to God in humility. I wonder for you, what is humility going to look like in your life? What is it going to mean for you to put to death pride and to bring life to humility? How will you change your answer to these questions if you let humility take a hold in your life? If you're a youth or a kid, maybe you can ask these questions. What are you going to do when your brother or your sister hits you? How will you help your friend when they fall off their bike? Or will you just keep riding? Will you put your parents in front of yourself today and do your chores before they ask you to? What's something that you might be able to do for your brother or your sister that will put them in front of you? And how will this affect how you pray, how you, what, what you ask God for and what you thank him for? What about those of us who are a bit older? How do you imagine this applies to you? It's been fun to imagine what it looks like for our kids and look down from our little pride stools on what our kids have to do. But how will humility change your answer to these questions? What are you going to do if your neighbours or your friends run out of toilet paper? Now, it's a bit of a silly one, but what about a serious one? What if they ran out of food? When the gossip on the work group chat starts, what will you do? When someone you know gets sick, and it seems like when, not if, how are you going to love them? Will you choose to listen more and speak less in the next conversation you have? Will you ask for help when you are struggling? Luke 18 verses 9 to 14 is a pretty simple story really. But it cuts to our hearts because it makes us examine our lives. Jesus is anti-religion. He's about our hearts not about religious perfection. When we try and religion our way to God, we claim that we can justify ourselves. We become like the Pharisee from our story today. We must put pride to death to like scrunch it up in our brains and throw it away. Humility is the only way we can come before God because of his perfection and his holiness. I think we're going to need humility more than ever in our relationships, our marriages, and our families as we're cooped up. I think it's a timely message from God's word today. A humble heart is where our Christian walk begins. And I believe it's how we continue to grow in our relationship with God.
for you, what will it look like to put pride to death and to bring life to humility.